What are the factors that determine fat oxidation level or levels of fat oxidation during exercise? In other words, what are the various uh, factors that determine how much fat you actually burn when you work out? Well, let's take a look at what science has to offer in that area. First of all, uh, what you eat actually has a, a lot to do with how much fat you, bur uh, you burn. Uh, uh, for example, uh, carbohydrate intake. Uh, if you eat carbohydrate in, uh, before, in proximity to a workout, or right before a workout, uh, you, you, it'll suppress fat oxidation. Uh, because uh, what happens is the carbohydrate is your preferred source of fuel for muscular activity. The body will always seek to use carbohydrates such as glucose and glycogen before it uses fat. Fat is more of a long-term source of energy. Uh, ingesting carbohydrates before exercise will raise insulin release, and that suppresses fat, fat oxidation up to a, as much as 35%. And this effect of insulin on fat oxidation can last as long as six to eight hours after a meal. So that means that the highest rates of fat oxidation usually occur after an overnight fast. That being said, uh, you know, you, would might, you might say, well, maybe that explains why people like to do uh, aerobics uh, you know, first thing in the morning on an empty stomach with the hopes of burning more fat. Unfortunately, this is one of those things that works better on paper than in actual practice. Uh, the studies have shown that whether you uh, do fasting aerobics uh, you know, where you haven't eaten for a couple hours before you do the aerobics, or whether you uh, eat a meal before you do the aerobics, doesn't make much difference as far as fat burning. With that, it's more related to the overall intake of ca uh, calories. Uh, so and, uh, another thing that's very important, of course, is the exercise intensity. The higher the level of intensity, the more the body has to rely on on glucose circulating in the blood, and mo most importantly, muscle glycogen. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, the, uh, th that's with high intensity. Uh, a lot of people like to do what they call high intensity interval aerobics. Uh, unfortunately, the, the higher intensity that brings your heart rate up to, to as much as 80 to 90% of maximum uh, will actually, do, that will uh, rely almost entirely on glucose and glycogen. So when you do high intensity interval aerobics, you're actually burning carbohydrates, much more carbohydrates than fat, but because of the increased intensity, you get a, uh, a kind of a higher meta metabolic rate, which might kind of last for a couple of hours after the workout, with the net effect being that the difference in fat burning between high-intensity interval uh, aerobics and, let's say, steady-state aerobics, where you just you know, keep your pulse or heart rate at a certain steady level throughout, let's 30, 45 minutes, it's not much different. It doesn't re really make much difference. Uh, what they found, however, in studies, if you're looking at pure fat oxidation during exercise, the maximum amounts of fat uh, oxidized during exercise, in science it's referred to as fat max. And what the studies have shown in, for trained individuals, meaning people that have had training experience, the fat max usually is between 62 and 63% of maximum oxygen intake. It can go as high as 70, 70, 70 to 75% of maximum uh, uh, of a heart rate. Uh, in other words, it's either 62 to 63% of maximum oxygen intake, which would equal about 70, 75% of maximum heart rate. That's if you have a, a trained individual. If you're somebody that's new to exercise and you, haven't, you don't have to develop the oxidative enzymes in muscle, 
to burn fat or oxidize fat. The, the, the fat max uh, level is only 50% of VO2 max. Uh, so, um, so basically, if you were going strictly for fat oxidation, you would want to do, let's say, very moderate to low intensity aerobics. Uh, so again, as soon as you increase your heart rate above, let's say, 70%, you're, you're going to be going to glucose and glycogen. The longer you work out, uh, for example, uh, after 60 minutes, your body starts to, you know, the glycogen and glucose levels start to decrease, and your body veers more towards fat oxidation. If you did aerobics for 90 minutes, which I don't recommend, uh, you'd be burning mostly b- uh, fat with very little uh, carbohydrate involved. So that's another thing uh, to account. Uh, they've shown in studies that uh, as far as the modes of exercise, running seems to increase uh, fat oxidation more than cycling. Uh, any, t- any type of exercise, we use more muscles, such as uh, you know the elliptical machine, we're using your arms and your legs, and you're standing up, even treadmill. Anything standing up generally burns more fat than doing something seated, like, for example, uh, cycling. Uh, burn more fat when they work out than men, and they think it has to do with estrogen. Uh, in a study in which 100, 150 men and 150 women were compared over a wide range of exercise intensity, it was demonstrated that the women had higher rates of fat oxidation over the entire range of intensities, and fat oxidation peaked at slightly higher intensity. But the, the, the differences were, were not that much. They were kind of small. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't, the women burn a little bit more fat, but in the end, they tend to, the fat tends to go right back on them. So, you know, let's leave it at that. <laughs> as far as environment goes, uh, when you train in a hot environment, your body uses more glycogen. Uh, it tends to dig, dig into the stored glycogen, which is stored carbohydrate. And that tends to reduce fat use. So, under high uh, temperature or hot environments, you tend again will be burning a little bit less fat. Also, the same occurs during high altitude. Uh, some studies say that when you train under extremely cold conditions, carbohydrate uh, carbohydrate uh, will be also used at the expense of fat metabolism. However, the, you know more recent studies show that training under cold conditions stimulates the, the the synthesis of what they call brown adipose tissue which is a highly thermogenic tissue which turns basically fat calories into heat so uh, actually training if you can handle it and training under a cold environment will actually burn more fat so uh what are the, some other factors that affect uh, fat oxidation let's see uh you have i, I mentioned the altitude the hot environment there's a couple of supplements uh, that uh, that supposedly uh, uh, you know help you uh, uh, oxidize fat. I should also point out. I mentioned this in past videos. There's no so-called pure fat-burning supplement. There's no supplement on the market that will actually burn fat unless you exercise. But if you take any of these uh, highly touted fat burners and you sit around and you don't exercise, it, it, it's not you're not going to be burning any fat at all. Uh, but what they do is they promote the mobilization of fat. In other words, the fat burner supplements help your fat cells to release fat, but the only way to actually oxidize or burn the fat is you have to exercise. So, uh, so let's say a couple of the, uh, the supplements that are touted to uh, increase fat oxidation. Carnitine is probably the most famous. The only problem is uh, carnitine works by shuttling fatty acids into the mitochondria portion of cells. 
The mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cells. This is where fat oxidation actually takes place. And without carnitine, you can't get the fatty acids into the uh, mitochondria. So carnitine is important. Uh, carnitine is produced in the body from three amino acids. Uh, you, normally, there isn't a problem. A lot of people take uh, uh, carnitine, uh, supplemental carnitine, in the hopes of increasing fat oxidation. Unfortunately, studies have shown that when you take supplemental carnitine, you increase the plasma or blood levels of carnitine, but not necessarily the muscle levels of carnitine. And the muscle is where the fat is oxidized. They've shown studies a couple of years ago that if you ingest carbohydrate with car supplemental carnitine, you can increase muscle carnitine levels by 15%. It doesn't sound like much, but it actually makes a big difference. Unfortunately, the amount of carbohydrate needed to do this, uh, the way it works is the carbohydrate stimulates insulin output, especially simple or fast-acting carbohydrates. The increased insulin actually pushes the supplemental car carnitine into the muscle. So you get a 15% greater uh, increase of uh, carnitine in the muscle. However, uh, some of the studies I've seen, it's it, they're telling you to ingest as much as 95 grams of simple carbohydrate. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, that much carbohydrate is, uh, you know, even with the increased carnitine in the muscle, it's going to it's going to inhibit fat burning. It's, I, I don't think it's a good idea. So the studies vary. Some studies show that carnitine does help with increased fat oxidation. Others don't. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of up in the air there. Another supplement touted to increase fat oxidation is green tea. Uh, green tea has a, a minor thermogenic effect. Uh, unfortunately, 90% of the research showing that green, green tea helps fat oxidation involved animals. Uh, there, there, there was a, uh, a study showed that, that increasing a green, a green tea extract the night before and an hour before a 30-minute cycling bout increased fat metabolism by 20%. That was a study published in 2008. Uh, that The active ingredient in green tea is something called epigallocatechin gallate or EGCG. It's a, very, it's a very powerful polyphenol with antioxidant properties. And, and the way it helps to increase fat oxidation, it increases the activity of the enzyme responsible for the breakdown of uh, catecholamines, uh, adrenaline and noradrenaline, and that can result in, in higher concentrations of catecholamines. Catecholamines stimulate the release of fat from fat cells, and that's, your, uh, that's how it works. Green tea extract. Uh, when used in certain doses, uh, supposedly it produces a 20% improvement in fat metabolism, which is pretty good. Of course, uh, caffeine is a primary ingredient <coughs> in almost uh, all fat burner supplements. Caffeine works by also stimulating the, release of stimulating the release of catecholamines like norepinephrine, epinephrine, which in turn stimulate fat cell enzymes that cause the mobilization and release of uh, fatty acids found that are found in stored in fat cells as triglyceride. So again, ca caffeine mobilizes fatty acids from fat cells, and if you exercise, <coughs> you will uh, you you it will help you uh, burn more fat. <coughs> uh, a recent study that just came out found you know a lot of people think that or the past studies <coughs> excuse me suggested that if habitual drinking of coffee, in other words, if you drink coffee every day, your body kind of gets used to it. And you don't get any ergogenic effects after a while. No fat, you know, no increased fat oxidation effect, nothing. However, this new study, which uh, surveyed the current research, found that's not true. 
you know you don't there is you don't get used to coffee it keeps working as long as you take it uh, and the amount of coffee shown to have ergogenic effects and fat burning effects is is uh, three milligrams per kilogram of body weight that equals about 300 to 400 uh, milligrams amount found in about three to four cups of coffee <clears throat> and that's and that that's it for coffee um, so uh, what else can I tell you uh, cayenne pepper has a thermogenic effect that might you know that might stimulate a little bit of fat burning <clears throat> uh, and uh, coili- uh, forskillin forskillin uh, st- uh, it stimulates an increase in what they call cyclic AMP which stands for cyclic adenosine monophosphate which is a breakdown product of ATP and uh, cyclic AMP actually is the trigger for the uh, release of fat from fat cells so theoretically forskillin can help you burn a little extra fat Conjugated linoleic acid, or CLA, has been touted as a fat burner. Uh, some studies show it works. Some studies show it doesn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest wasting money on it for fat burning. <clears throat> and I mentioned green tea, pyruvate. Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, so there you go. That that's about it for um, the factors that affect fat oxidation, uh, whether it's exercise and nutrition. Uh, and I should also point out that. Uh, and I, you, people, you'll probably know this from experience if you've been training for a long time. Even at the at best, if you do everything right, you know, you do the right uh, le- level of exercise intensity. Uh, you, you you don't have too many carbohydrates before you work out. This and that. Uh, you 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 do enough uh, uh, frequency, which is about four times a week of aerobics to affect body composition. You're still only going to burn a little bit of fat. You're not going to burn a lot of fat even under the best of conditions. So what that means is that you can't depend on exercise alone as an efficient means of fat oxidation. Yes, it definitely helps, but without the proper diet, which means a reduction in overall calories, and if you're sensitive to carbohydrates, you want to reduce carbohydrates considerably also. When I was in bodybuilding, the only diet that ever worked for me was a low-carbohydrate or ketogenic diet. Uh, unless I reduced carbohydrates, I just couldn't burn fat no matter how many. Well, I wasn't even doing aerobics back then. In the 70s, nobody did aerobics. But still, I tried all the diets. The only diet that ever worked for me was a low-carb diet. But that's me. You know, that's my genetics. doesn't necessarily work. Other people can have some carbohydrate and still lose plenty of fat. However, I, I would strongly suggest uh, trying to avoid the ingestion of simple or fast-acting or high-glycemic carbohydrates in proximity for a workout because it will blunt fat burning. And, of course, drinking carbohydrate drinks during a workout uh, you know that will that will maybe help you work out longer, because it'll keep your glo- uh, blood glucose levels up. But as far as fat burning, shut off completely. You won't burn any fat if you drink a, a carbohydrate drink during a workout. So that's about it for this uh, uh, topic. The topic, of course, is uh, ha- uh, ways to increase fat oxidation during exercise. If you want more information on nutrition, exercise science, anti-aging research, you can use today. Effective fat loss methods. Uh, ergogenic aids, hormonal therapy, uh, supplement science, which supplements work, which ones don't, women's health and fitness, many other topics. No one covers as many topics as I do in my Applied Metabolics newsletter. Subscribe today, www.appliedmetabolics.com. When you subscribe, I'll send you an invitation to join my private Applied Metabolics Facebook page, where each day I post new information on exercise, nutrition, general health, and medicine. I have an email portal on my Applied Metabolics web page where current subscribers only can send me short questions about anything they might have read in Applied Metabolics, anything that comes to mind. 
and, and you know, as a appreciation of their subscription, I'll answer the question. Of course, that means that unsolicited questions uh, will be have to go unanswered. I, I uh, you know, I appreciate the support of my subscribers. Uh, however, unsolicited questions, you know, if you want to have a consult with me and pay for it, that's different. I'm, I don't have time to answer unsolicited questions. I don't think anybody does. But that's about it. Uh, if you want to have the best friend you'll ever have, go to your local shelter, adopt a dog.